Welcome to At the Threshold, a podcast for ministry leaders during this new, unsettled season in the life of the church. We are your hosts, Ashley Alley Crawford and Shelley Pitts. And we are both clergy in the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, comprised of approximately a thousand churches in the states of Kansas and Nebraska. Shelley works with clergy faith and wellness with the Great Plains Conference. And Ashley is the Clergy Recruitment and Development Coordinator, and we're sharing this from the Office of Clergy Excellence. Our focus here in At the Threshold is to host a conversation with and for clergy in order to describe what's happening, ask questions to help get us unstuck, and encourage the heart of pastors and leaders in this liminal time in which we find ourselves. Liminal may be a new word, but a new season calls for a new word. Liminal means a threshold from what we've always known to, well, we don't know just yet what life and ministry is becoming. Our goal here is to find a little light at the threshold. In our conversations, we are seeking to describe some of the dynamics that we're seeing and identify some questions and possibilities that are bubbling up for us. Ultimately, we hope you leave today with your heart encouraged in some way. Each time we gather, it's our hope that you'll glean one or two things to think about, act upon, or pray through. Welcome to At the Threshold. I'm Ashley Alley Crawford, and co-leading with me today is the Reverend Dr. Shelley Petz. Shelley and I are both clergy here in the Great Plains Conference, and since May of 2020, we've been hosting a series of conversations on behalf of the Office of Clergy Excellence. We've been trying to lean into the disruption and the gifts of this coronavirus season. In our conversations, we describe some of what we're, I see, what, what we're seeing, we identify some questions and some possibilities that are bubbling up for us, and we hope to encourage the heart of everyone who's listening today. It's really good to be here today. We've taken a bit of a hiatus from hosting these conversations, but we're back. We're just shy of a year. And to be honest, we had no idea when we started what would be in store for us. And we set out on May 7th to have our very first conversation that was called Creativity, Comparing, and Coping. It included four Great Plains clergy who were just trying to find their way on a week-to-week -week basis, find their way to be creative, to not compare their ministry to the ministry of everybody else they were seeing on social media, and identifying coping strategies for this new uncertain circumstance that they found themselves in. Here we are, nearly 400 days into this pandemic, and guess what? We're still trying to find ways to be creative, to not compare, and to find healthy coping mechanisms. But um, perhaps we are on the other side of at least able to describe what this threshold is becoming just a little bit more. In the United Methodist Church, we are starting another cycle, but this time the, the change is planned. July 1 brings a change for a number of pastors and churches in the United Methodist Church. And this year is no different. But what is different are some of the challenges of getting to know a congregation or, um, or getting to know a new community at this appointed year. Ending a season of ministry is always hard, but it's really important. Today is going to kick off the first of three conversations that we're hosting about pastoral transition. Our guests today are familiar faces here in the Great Plains, and it gives us a chance to celebrate one important leader's ministry while also preparing for a change in leadership for another. Reverend Nancy Lambert was the first ever Director of Clergy Excellence and Assistant to the Bishop here in the Great Plains UMC. This June wraps up eight years of ministry in this role and nearly two decades of appointed ministry for her. 
She is passing the baton to the Reverend D. Williamston, who has served for the last seven years as the district superintendent of Salina, adding part of Hayes and the Hutch districts in various configurations within the last couple of years. Today, our conversation with Nancy and Dee will focus on ending well. Thank you, Ashley. I am so grateful for this conversation today. Itinerant ministry is a part of life for United Methodist clergy. Over the years, my clergy spouse and I have had the experience of, of several transitions, one in particular from the eastern part of Kansas all the way to the western, another transition from Kansas to Nebraska, and moving back again to Kansas. Indeed, transitions are a part of life. In each of the transitions that we experienced, we experienced the difficulty of heartaches and goodbyes and endings, and the incredible joys in the midst of all that was yet to come. Today, I'm excited for us to explore together how we can end well. I think that this time in this season can really be transformational for how we as clergy in the Great Plains make great transitions. We have the opportunity to really create a culture of possibility of tuning into what God can do in and through transitions and how to use this time for glorifying God for what has been and asking guidance for what will be. I see this as a stepping stone of taking what has been learned in a time of pandemic and letting God transition and transform it into something beautiful for right now. Even further, maybe this is a time for all of us as clergy in this conference to explore what it might mean for transitions of our own life, whether we are moving or not, whatever the thresholds of life we face right now. We want to welcome our first guest for our conversation about ending well, Reverend Nancy Lambert. Nancy is a Nebraska native and lifelong United Methodist. Prior to entering ministry, Nancy was a teacher and owner of a small business with her husband. In addition to her current appointment, Nancy has served in a small church, a county seat church, and an associate in one of our very large churches. In July, she will be retiring and finding new ways to enjoy serving and using her passions to serve the church and enjoying some time with family, creative endeavors, and whatever may be yet to come. Nancy, we welcome you back to At the Threshold. Thank you, I'm thrilled to be here again. Ashley, can you start us off with some of our questions? Yes, one aspect of ending well is to be able to look back and to celebrate uh, the God's work in a place of ministry. And so we wanna celebrate you, Nancy, as we wrap up this eight years of ministry as the very first Director of Clergy Excellence and Assistant to the Bishop, very long title, uh, for the Great Plains uh, Conference. You have had a very big job. You've worked with two different bishops. You've helped to shape and to form a brand new conference. You have influenced the systems um, and working with the bishop and the cabinet on behalf of all clergy over these last eight years. And as you look back uh, at these eight years of ministry, what are you celebrating and what can we celebrate with you? Well, thanks. That's a really big question, actually. Um, so I've, I've been giving that some thought um, the last few months since my retirement was announced. And um, the, the title, you know, of of our team, Clergy Excellence, says um, kind of puts a high bar on what we do. Um, and I think as a team, as well as with all of the other staff in the conference, that we have established an expectation of doing the best that we can. Doesn't mean that we never miss the mark, doesn't mean that we never fail, but it means we keep trying and working to be the best that we can be. And I think we've established that as a as an expectation for our teamwork, as well as for all of the staff and in the other teams as well. I think uh, we can really celebrate that we have developed some excellent programs, uh, Roots for Your Soul, A Time Apart for Your Life, um, this At the Threshold uh, podcast, the grants that we've been offering for Culture of Call in the local church, uh, self-care grants and covenant group grants are all aimed at helping clergy to be their best, to become resilient leaders, 
to be connected to God, to have accountability partners on the journey of ministry, um, and to keep developing the skills that they need in order to thrive in ministry. Um, I think our challenges as we go forward that with these programs that we have um, that are ongoing and repeatable for us, that we keep looking at what is it that we've missed and where can we be better. Um, and I also think one of the things that um, has been developed since um, I've been in this position is a better connection with our international clergy. We have, uh, when I started, we had about 90 international clergy serving in our conference, and we will be up over 120 international clergy in addition to our African Americans um, in, in our conference. And so we have um, been trying to pay attention to our international clergy, uh, raising awareness of their, them in our midst, affirming the gifts that they have, and we've developed a process that hopefully helps us to better appoint our uh, persons of color who are entering into our conference so that they can be successful and so that the congregations can have successful appointments with international clergy. So much we are grateful for you being at the helm of so many incredible programs coming into being and to be able to celebrate what has been made possible in the Great Plains. Through your time as uh, in this position, you have seen so many transitions um, also um, as witnessing to what has um, life been like for clergy. And so we wonder what wisdom do you have and for pastors who are transitioning out of ministry setting right now, ending well, what words of wisdom would you have to offer them? So uh, in a nutshell, for any pastor who is leaving one church and moving into another appointment, is that they should help their church to do for the pastor following them the same way that they hope their new church will do in welcoming them. So, um, you know, that's affirming who the next pastor is, even when you don't know them, lifting them up, um, uh, saying that they can be an effective leader and can instill hope and vision in the, in the church, um, helping them to think about how do we welcome our new pastor well and how do we help them to get to know all of the people in the congregation. But it also is about then helping the congregation to grieve well, as you as a pastor yourself are grieving the, the change, because there's always grief involved when we have a change of appointment. Um, but the grief is not the, the end all, but it is a, a marker of a change that's happening and a hope that is to come. So I guess that would be uh, my words of wisdom in a nutshell. Very good. Thank you for, thanks for sharing that. So it's very, um, it's very tempting to sort of have a scripture and it's hopeful to have a scripture to guide us during this season. Do you have any scriptures that, that have been guiding you as you're navigating these days? I do. And, and there's two that I'm going to lift up. And one is, is really, um, one I try to remind myself of, um, I have a couple of different, uh, wall hangings, um, one in my office and one at home that have Psalm 4610 on them, which is be still and know that I'm God, which is always uh, my reminder to make space, to be still, to listen, and to know that, that God is God. The other one really um, is uh, scripture that was, is part of my call story, which is Matthew 9, 37, um, where, where Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And that was a passage that um, really helped me to hear a call into ministry. And um, when, I, when I took this position, I did some coaching with uh, Reverend Bill Selby from Colorado, who many of you know, and also had conversations um, with Carol Rotmer Brewer, whose position I was somewhat sort of taking um, from the Nebraska conference. And both of them told me in different ways that moving out of the local church into an extension ministry appointment, I needed to think about my call again. I needed to uh, hear my call and pay attention to my call again because it, because it changed. And so what did my call look like? And so now as I'm moving into retirement, I've just felt that I need to rethink and rehear my call. Uh, so making time to settle in the, with this scripture again and 
what does it mean to be part of the laborers who are working for the harvest in retirement? So um, that still that scripture is still with me after all of these years. Oh, that's beautiful. That's the the power of scripture uh, that that gives us that vision of. Um, the Holy Spirit interpreting it to us in different ways in different seasons. So that's awesome. Well, we want to welcome Nancy. We're going to get to hear from you and Dee in just a few minutes, but we want to welcome our second guest here today. Reverend Dee Williamson um, grew up in Topeka and has lived in various places around Kansas, serving local churches for seven years and then as district superintendent uh, for the last seven years. And this spring, she was named to follow Nancy as the director of clergy excellence and assistant to the bishop. Um, you may know that prior to serving in ministry, she worked um, in for 22 years in the military. You might not know she did actually work for five years in New York City um, with what's now known as the Screen Actors Guild. Uh, so that I'm sure is some interesting stories, Dee. Um, but it, she ultimately returned to Kansas, to Topeka, um, to become the Chief Supervisor of Accounting and Finance Operations in Topeka. She has one son and five grandchildren and a very happy mom who is getting to welcome her back to Topeka once again. Um, Dee, we're so glad to have you here with us today. Well, it's an honor to be here and thank you for having me. I, I'm blessed to be here. Good, good. Shelly's gonna kick Dee, us off. Yeah, Dee, we'd like to start you with a question about, Okay. we'd like to hear your story. What did you think when you first received the word about your new appointment? And would you tell us about that time of discernment after the bishop called you? What was that time like for you? Well, it, I, you know, I was sitting in my kitchen. I was stunned. Uh, I was shocked. I, it, it caught me off guard. I will honestly say that uh, because I had not even thought uh, about the, the opportunity or that appointment. And uh, when the bishop called and he began to talk uh, about how this would be an opportunity for me to continue to grow and uh, in the role of, um, you know, and learning and, uh, uh, and get an up close view of what the Episcopal uh, office uh, does. Um, uh, I just kept listening to him and, you know, I was almost had an out of body experience because I was like, okay, did he call or am I dreaming? Um, and uh, I was just floored. I didn't have any words for a very long time. It seemed like uh, it took seconds, minutes, you know, it seemed like an hour, though it wasn't. Uh, it was just like, you know, everything just slowed down. It's like watching one of those movies where someone's running and then it goes really, really slow. And I was like, did I hear what he said he said? Okay. Wow. So, I mean, I was just really shocked and I still, when I think about it, you know, I don't have any words other than I'm humbled by, uh, by the appointment and uh, uh, just, I'm, I'm excited. Um, uh, it was like uh, Nancy uh, has done so much for our annual conference uh, in clergy excellence. And I'm thinking that is a huge position. It is is huge, and so I'm still a little stunned, as you can see. I don't have all the words I really want to say. Hey, that's all right. Um, the words will come when you need yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. positive and then, that. And as far as the time of discernment, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about that question, and I think that's what you, you just asked me. I, I still get a little just stunned by this whole thing. Um, I, I remember in 2011. Um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I was uh, serving in Independence, Kansas. And as I was taking that journey and as I was doing chemotherapy and I sat there in the chemo chair for a year, I had to sit in the chemo chair and I would watch people uh, come in uh, who would be treated for cancer. And then I'd read an obituary with that person's name. And, and, I, and as I think about the discernment process and I think about what I went through that year, I remember sitting in the chair saying, Lord, as long as I have to live, I will serve you uh, when asked. And so ever since then, um, my discernment process is a process that, uh, you know, I'm in prayer constantly. When I'm driving, I'm praying. I, I call the conference car my prayer altar, um, uh, uh, driving and praying and thinking and uh, discerning all the time. When I wake up in the morning, when I'm 
going out to churches or meeting with pastors or uh, doing the various things that need to be done over email. I'm always praying. It's like a, pray, a praying life. And so when the bishop called and uh, my discernment was, I will serve as long as I have the opportunity to, because I know tomorrow's not promised. And so that's my discernment process, that as long as I have life, as long as I have breath in my body, I'm going to serve and I'm going to give my very best to, to the Lord first uh, and uh, to whatever God is calling me to in the mission field. And, and that's how I feel about this, too, and when the bishop called me that day. So yeah. that's how I yeah, kind of that's serve. That's a very powerful witness of just saying yes and being ready um, in season and out of season uh, to be able to get yes. for it. Good. Good. Well, as a district superintendent, you've watched um, dozens of clergy, I thought maybe even a hundreds of clergy, I don't know, um, make transitions. And you made some yourself prior to becoming a district superintendent. What have you learned about how clergy can make transition well? What, um, you know, and sometimes that transition is a welcome one, and sometimes it's one that they are not looking forward to. What, what are some of the best practices that you've seen? Um, around clergy right. transitions. Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, one of the things I think is uh, set your successor up for success. Uh, kind of like what Nancy just said, um, you know, and and be prepared. You know, prepare the congregation, uh, prepare the office, uh, pre uh, speak well of who is succeeding you. Um, uh, engage with the the laity there to let them know that you know. Uh, God has a has a the next mission for them with their new leadership. So, so really encourage uh, the church, uh, and that you know ultimately it's about the mission of Jesus Christ, and God is sending another disciple to come and serve faithfully in the community. So really lift up your successor, and you know have things in order in the office. You know, I remember when I went to one appointment, uh, they called it the magic drawer. And there the pastor had left all the information for Ezra because we know we love Ezra. And so all the statistical information was there from the previous years. And so it wasn't uh, like you had to hunt down the information, but also left uh, the lay people who were highly involved in the church, their names and who could help find this. And I mean, just really, you know, passing things off well and the things that maybe are left undone. Uh, that, hey, you may want to take a look at this. This is where they are. Uh, this is where we were. Uh, we didn't quite get this launched, but we were working on it, you know, and so setting them up for success and, and letting them know what's going on, even not only in the church, but in the broader community, you know, some of those connections and relationships, you know, to, to make those early uh, so that uh, they can get to know uh, the community and, and do that time where, uh, they can listen to the stories of the people, uh, the people of the church and the community and learn the stories of the town. Um, and, and if you know the stories, then to share those stories in such a way that will make you curious on how can you connect uh, with uh, everyone in the town, regardless of where they are politically or socially, uh, but just connecting, knowing that ultimately we are about uh, the good news of Jesus Christ and that we are a witness in the community. So helping other clergy get connected and, and land on the ground standing up uh, right away and, and or like I say, hit the ground running. <laughs> so mm -hmm. yeah, I've seen a lot of transitions uh, over the times and um, even the ones that uh, do not relish the idea of an appointment uh, change, um, you know, it's all about again, the mission of Jesus Christ, you know, is, is fine. Be curious. If, if you're not relishing this, be curious about where you're going and, and how you can sharpen skills that maybe you wanted to sharpen. Maybe this is the place to do that, you know, and just, you know, uh, get out there and, um, and learn, you know, just, just be open um, to where you're being appointed. And, you know, sometimes it is a challenge. It is a challenge. The appointments that I have served in as a, as a, as a cross-racial, cross-cultural appointment, you know, I have been very curious, you know, and, and I find out things. And then I try to help people come along because we're all God's children. And so let's think of everyone as God's children so that we can move forward and, and push the mission forward. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank Thanks. you so much, Dee. Your words are incredibly helpful as we explore the intentionality of these transitions and the importance of being open and curious 
um, and to, to see where God is leading for you in this, this own transition of ending, of ending being district superintendent and moving into a new role. What scriptures are guiding you in this season of transition? Whoo! You know, I used to be able to memorize a lot of scripture. I used to write them down on the note cards and notebooks, and I just go through the Bible daily and 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 go back and look. And the one that guides me the most is Proverbs three four through five. We all know it. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not to thine own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge God, and God will direct your path. And so that is my number one: is to trust in the Lord and trust that, that God has uh, me where God wants me at this point in time in my life. And I need not lean to my own understanding, but uh, I can lean on God and that God's wisdom is supreme over all, overall in my life. And, you know, sometimes our own understanding can be cloudy. Uh, sometimes our own understanding can have it be like Swiss cheese, right? You know, I like Swiss cheese, but it has holes in it. But we don't have to lean to our understanding. We can lean to God in everything that we do. And so in everything that God has done uh, throughout my life, I want to acknowledge that this has nothing to do with me, but it has everything to do with God. You know, how I have learned, how I have moved through ministry, how I have moved through the National Guard, how I have lived in community, uh, that uh, if I acknowledge God, God will take care of me and direct me uh, in everything that I do. And so God's direction is there if I trust in the Lord first. And so that's the scripture that really gets me going as well as uh, Psalms 27, uh, the Lord is my light and my salvation, of whom shall I be afraid? And so that tells me that I have no fear, to have no fear, all is well, God is with you. And I love the John Wesley's last words, he says, uh, uh, the, the best of all, God is still with us in all things, the best of all, God is still with us, so yeah. Dee, thank you for taking us to church. Um, we are oh, okay. grateful for your words and for, for the passion and for what, um, what you offer us today in these words of the importance of trusting and letting God be at work in us and in this transition. We wanted to take a few moments to have a chance to talk with both of you together. Nancy and Dee, this is a unique opportunity to talk with each of you as we explore what does it mean to pass the baton. Together, you are making a transition. You are ending well, exploring what that means, and to explore what it means to begin well in the newness of what each of you has coming next. And we cannot thank you enough for being able to be on the same conversation. This doesn't always happen. And yet, I think what we're modeling here is a great foundation for, for leadership and for exploring what is possible for our congregations to be able to look at how to, how to do this well and with intention and trusting in the Lord's work. And so we'd like to ask you together a few questions as we explore what does it look like to pass the baton one to another. And I'm gonna get us started here with a question. Um, and you both have kind of shared some um, some wisdom some, about some technical things. And, and if there's anything that we've left out, that you've left out about what it means to pass the baton, this would be a great time to, to chime in with that. But I'd love to also just hear about sort of even from a, a spiritual standpoint, um, what does it look like to pass the baton? Nancy, I'd like to start start with you. Um, what, how, is, how can pastors pass the baton well um, in this season? Um, so I think one of the most important things and, and maybe one of the hardest things is to um, to to leave well, which we've already said, but that also involves letting go, and that is really hard. Um, if you have been in a place where you have felt uh, really connected with the people, where you've been doing some exciting ministry together, um, it could be because you've been there so long that you really know people. But this. One of the hardest things I think is letting go, figuring out now what are the boundaries around these relationships that I had in this church. Um, because those, for those who are like me, where relationships are highly important, 
Um, it is it is hard to leave behind relationships and then trust that there are going to be some new ones where I go. So um, letting go is hard. Um, sometimes getting your own messes cleaned up is hard. Um, I think about, Dee was just in my office a little bit ago this afternoon and I'm looking at my desk and it's such a mess and I can't leave this mess for her. You know, that's not fair because she'd walk in and I have no space to put her stuff because it's full of my mess. But sometimes the messes in the, little, in the local church aren't the mess on her desk, but it's the messes of not taking care of staff changes that need to happen or um, not uh, taking care of visioning that needs to happen and helping the church to realize who they are in uh, in the world in in this time and in this place where they are. So I think there's leaving is is hard. Passing the baton is hard work. It's not just a matter of packing up our home and packing up our boxes and walking out the door. That's right. The you can't check out um, and, and pass right. the baton well. Yeah. Dee, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well. What does it look like to, to pass the baton well? Well, I love the imagery. I've been using this imagery for the last month now on the four by four race. You know, the I love track and field. And the runner, uh, you know, when you have a four by four, there's four on the team and the one runner starts out. And as they are approaching uh, the second runner, the second runner has their hand uh, upside down and up waiting to pass the baton, but there's a lot of work to get there. And so, uh, you know, I, I see that as, uh, you know, there's preparation to get from one point to the next point to grab that baton. And the person passing the baton has to land it in that person's hand solid enough for them to feel it, to keep going uh, to the next leg, to the next leg of the race. And also what I learned about passing a baton is that uh, one, the first runner jogs next to the second runner as they're passing the baton because they're running at the same time so that the second one can get the same momentum going. And so that's what this seems like uh, and feels like to me uh, in the passing of the baton um, uh, in this uh position as well as as a district superintendent, uh, you know, leaving that, you know, and putting those boundaries, like uh, Nancy said, in place where, you know, you're leaving something that you, you know, have grown very fond of and people have grown fond of you, but the relationship dynamics change. And so knowing that that's okay, it's, it's okay to let go. It's, it's okay to let go. But sometimes it is, it is hard to let go. And, you know, we have to uh, think about, you know, scripturally how, you know, how uh, God, you know, uh, the disciples had to let go of the, the vision that they had because Jesus had to go. Uh, and so something new could happen. And so if something new happening, Jesus offers us, offers us life and, and life more abundantly. But they had to let go of the, the I hate to say old Jesus, but I'm going to say old Jesus for new resurrected Jesus uh, and whatnot. And so, you know, we have to... Um, you know, be very intentional about how we uh, uh, position ourselves for passing off, uh, passing the baton, whether it's in what like Nancy and I are doing or as a district superintendent will do or in the local church uh, that we there's some work to do up to the point of the pass off. And and that that's important work uh, to do to learn how to, you know, separate oneself but also say, hey, you know, I've done what I have uh, been called to do by God, and now it's someone else's turn to take it to the next step, whatever step that may be, and because that's okay, it's all right. I did what I was called to do, that's all right. This is terrific. Thank you for helping us open up that image even farther and take that into, into our beings. And so as we explore this to the next level, Nancy, how, how can that pastor receiving that baton, what other words would you have for how they um, out, outgoing pastor can set you up well as receiving that, that baton? Well, you know, appointment changes are always hard because they're filled with grief and with excitement. You know, uh, hopefully every pastor grieves at least a little bit where they're leaving, but is also excited about where they're going. And so um, knowing that where you're going has been well cared for by the pastor you follow is always helpful. Um, the outgoing pastor can help 
set you up well just by providing you with information about who the church is, what are their gifts, what are their strengths, um, what are their, uh, what's their historic trend been, um, what are the things that influence who they are and how they live out their mission in the community. But, but even also providing um, a, an opportunity, if there is one, to welcome the new pastor into the congregation, you know, those times when there's been um, a meeting that's happening, whether it's a strategic planning meeting that you've already scheduled, whether it's a, um, an event, it could even be an anniversary celebration, things that are happening after the appointment has been announced when the new path or when the current pastor welcomes the new pastor into the midst of the people um, is really something that it just shows that as the outgoing pastor, um, I'm, I'm welcoming in the person who's coming behind me. It just helps to set up success because the outgoing pastor has hopefully been loved by people and has been respected. And so the way that they treat in the same space, even the new pastor coming in models for the church, how they are going to welcome and respect their new pastor coming in. So providing that, there goes my light again, I'm sorry. My light shuts off when I don't move much. <laughs> but but the, other, the other thing is that is so important is that the outgoing pastor um, can set up the new pastor well by remembering those boundaries that they need to put in place around um, how they maintain relationships with people in the church. Um, you know, do, does the new pastor know, does the outgoing pastor know uh, well enough to say no when they get asked to do a funeral or a wedding and um, how can they do things after they've even left for their new appointment that help the new pastor to be successful and there's a lot of opportunities that we have as pastors um, who've left a place to help continue to support the pastor that is there behind us. Thank you Nancy this is really helpful. We'll turn to Dee. Do you have anything to add for any ways that as the pastor receiving the baton, how can outgoing pastor set you up well? Any other yeah, final I, words of wisdom? Mm -hmm. uh, I ditto a lot of uh, what Nancy has said. Uh, boundaries are very important. Um, and uh, as well as, you know, leaving things in good order. Um, and if you do have those opportunities to do a video, uh, you know, and make sure that, you know, you, hey, can I get a video from you so that the congregation can be introduced to you early. And I know they do a lot of that work with the SPRC, but also giving them, you know, like pictorial uh, information about the people, uh, again, about the community, like Nancy was uh, just sharing, uh, but also, you know, stepping out of the way when they do come. And, you know, we do make lots of friends and I still have friends from other congregations, but I do not uh, interfere with the ministry of uh, uh, my clergy colleagues in any kind of way. Um, and, I, you know, there's been times that I have called to say, uh, hey, so-and-so gave me a call. Have they talked to you? Because I'm not, you know, I want you to know what's going on. Uh, and it's up to you, you know, in a sense that uh, I told them to call you, you know, or a pastor will call me and say, hey, so-and-so wants to, and I, you know, I said, you know, I have something on my calendar that day. I really am sad that I can't be there, but, you know, um, it's important to, you know, make those breaks. And it doesn't mean that you don't love the people um, because you really do. Um, and then sometimes some things work out like anniversaries like th that was mentioned earlier or, or those types of celebrations, uh, those work out well, so. Very good. That's helpful to, to think about aligning with one another, aligning with the, the movement um, that, that is happening. That's just a part of any transition. So it's very helpful. Mm -hmm. It's easy for us to think technical stuff, but I'd like us to kind of pull up a little bit to 30,000 feet and think theologically a little bit. What, uh, how can we think theologically about pastoral transition? Nancy, would you, would you get us started? How do we think theologically about this? Yeah, when, when I uh, saw that question on your list, the, the ones that came to my mind were um, in uh, John 4, uh, planting the seeds that someone else will harvest. Um, you know, and that, that really works both ways as a, 
as a pastor and in, in terms of transitions, because um, hopefully where we are at, we plant some seeds that get something started, whether it's helping someone who is new in the faith or whether it's a new ministry that we're part of, or whether it's just casting a new vision with the church. Um, and hopefully the new pastor gets to harvest that. But then also remembering that where we go, there's been some seeds that have planted that we get to harvest on. Um, and so affirming, taking those opportunities to affirm that the good work started before you did, I think is an important part of that. But um, we're, we're, we're seed planters. We're more about planting seeds than worrying about whether or not we get to do the harvest. Yeah. That, that's that's good. You've got that agriculture theme going, Nancy. <laughs> yeah, it's <Yeah, laughs> my background. <laughs> it's good. It's it makes Jesus Jesus liked it too. So that's good. Yeah. Dee, Dee, what about you? How do how can we think theologically about pastoral transitions? Yeah, yeah I thought about this question too, and I was like, hmm. You know, and I see that uh, when there's pastoral transitions, transitions, you know, we always get a different pastor. And I think about the people of the, the scriptures. You know, we had the woman at the well who was running to say, come, come, come see the man who told me all about myself. You know, then we have a Paul who, you know, who was venomous against the church and then uh, was transformed. And then, and then we have the, the leper who there was only one who returned. And then we have Lydia who was the dyer of purple. And it's like each one of those have been appointed to a local congregation and we <laughs> continue to transition with, with the various ones. And that sometimes we need the Lydia's and sometimes we need the Paul's and sometimes we need that leper, that one that came back, you know, to share their testimony or that one that's running into the community that needs to go into that church and help the church run into the community and, and share about that man who told me all about myself. So that's how I kind of see pastoral transitions that it's an opportunity for us to use those gifts, our personalities to help uh, the location, the mission field where we are going. So I see every character in in the in the scriptures as a potential pastor going into the mission field in the united methodist church or any church uh to share and be uh be the community of faith and, and to help and that's how we are in transitions to bring those transitional gifts because we need all of them that's how i see it theologically we cannot thank the two of you enough. You are incredible leaders for the Great Plains Conference. And one of the things that we have discovered is that people really look closely to their leaders in times of difficulty, in times of transition, in times of uncertainty. And we wonder, what do you hope clergy of the Great Plains Conference will learn from you as you personally approach a threshold before you and step into a new and particularly unknown season for you as well. What do you hope the Great Plains clergy will learn from you? Well, Nancy, we'll begin with you. Um, so I, for me right now, I mean, it's, um, I'm fortunate to be having someone who I call a good friend following me. And I'm so excited about uh, walking this journey of transition with Dee. But, um, I hope what people see and what they notice is the um, intentional stepping aside to make space for her to do um, what she sees as a vision for the role. Um, and uh, I, I promise to not complain about anything that I've done that she changes and no longer does, <laughs> because I just think there's great work to be done. And I know uh, Dee is going to pick up that baton well and follow well. And uh, as I move into retirement, I still don't know what retirement's going to look like yet. So, um, but, but I'm going there willingly with my, you know, with my face forward, knowing that God has, is not done with me yet and that God can still use me in retirement. Thank you, Nancy. We'll turn to you, Dee, saying, what do you hope Great Plains clergy will learn from you in this transition? I, you know, I, I hope that they'll learn from me uh, that God can use anyone, uh, no matter what your background is, uh, no matter where you came from. Uh, I hope that they learn from me that, um, that God's grace always walks with us uh, and that if we trust in God, uh, God will walk with us through anything and everything um, and that we can bring our whole selves uh, uh, to the table, uh, we can bring our whole selves 
to whatever God is calling us to do. And we can uh, encounter God's love that way. And, you know, it's okay to cry. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to be quiet. It's okay to speak up. Uh, it's okay to just be who you are. Uh, I uh, admire Nancy's uh, dedication and commitment and faithfulness and all this hard work that she has done and uh, I get to go forward knowing that I had a uh, been in master classes with her for the last uh, since February, <laughs> uh, learning and observing and that we can learn from anyone. And so I hope that they see that we all have to continue to learn and uh, we have to continue to grow as leaders and that it's OK to be you. And it's OK if something doesn't go well. Um, uh, and you missed a step, you know, that the prayer is if someone sees uh, that they can do something, that they will step up and say, hey, let me help you with that. So that's what I hope for, that, you know, they'll see that leadership sometimes is, uh, you know, uh, letting others know that, you know, yeah, this is hard, but we can do this and that we're not alone. Uh, so. you guys so much for the witness of uh, this last this last bit of time but also just the witness of your ministries over these years the ways that that you all have led and been faithful done hard work um, and done prayerful work we just really appreciate that witness and and know that um, that it will continue on into the next step well today's been a, a good opportunity for us to uh, to kind of see the, the the opportunities ahead of us, to pass the baton well, to lean in and to listen. Um, I love that question, Dee, that you named for us. Where can I be curious about the situation um, that, that God is calling me into? Uh, and also, I think that, um, that we ought to be encouraged that God has indeed called each of us um, and our stories intertwined with those stories of scripture, with those preachers um, across all time that we can um, get to, to plant some seeds, water some seeds. Um, God's going to make it grow and God's going to harvest it when um, when we're ready. So when the time is ripe. So we just are so glad for everyone who's listening um, to, to this conversation today. We are going to post a few more resources on our episode page. You can hear this conversation again, or you can share with a friend uh, by searching for At The Threshold on Podbean or Google or Apple Podcasts. Also, we're going to share extra resources um, on the topics that we're discussing today, um, or you can sign up to perhaps join a discussion around this conversation at greatplainsumc.org slash at dash the dash threshold. things that we have noticed is that sometimes endings are hard and sometimes it's hard to put into words what endings might mean. April is National Poetry Month and sometimes poetry can be one way that we can put words to our emotions. Research has found that exploring our emotions through writing or through poetry can sometimes help our immune systems it can help reduce stress, anxiety, and even depression. And so today, as we close, we'd like to share a word of poetry, inviting us to consider what it is that we might need to do if we are in the midst of endings to allow those expressions to come even more to the forefront. And so in the spirit of leaning in to the power of poetry, we share this poem from Jan Richardson in Circles of Grace. It's also a blessing and a prayer. Hear these words entitled Drawing Near. It is difficult to see it from here, I know. But trust me when I say this blessing is inscribed on the horizon, is written on that far point you can hardly see, is etched into a landscape whose contours you cannot know from here. All you know is that it calls you, draws you, 
pulls you toward what you have perceived, only in pieces, in fragments that came to you in dreaming or in prayer. I cannot account for how, as you draw near, the blessing embedded in the horizon begins to blossom upon the soles of your feet, shimmers in your two hands. It is one of the mysteries of the road, how the blessing you have traveled toward, waited for, ached for, suddenly appears, as if it had been with you all this time, as if it simply needed to know how far you were willing to walk to find the lines that were traced upon you before the day you were born. Thank you, Shelley. And thank you again to Nancy and Dee for joining us today. And thanks to everyone who listened or watched our uh, conversation today. We hope that you've been able to see our new reality just a little bit clearer. We hope you've asked a few new questions and that your heart has indeed been encouraged. We hope that you're finding a little light at the threshold. today about navigating ministry in liminal time. You can find links to join future conversations at greatplainsumc.org slash at dash the dash threshold or subscribe to our podcast at the threshold on Podbean or Apple Podcasts. As for today, we hope that you've been able to see our new reality a bit clearer, asked a few new questions and been encouraged. And in the days ahead, we hope that you're finding some light at the threshold.